kill you. Yeah, what's wrong with the beer we got? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the um, Exploding Genie's Head edition of <laughs> Teen Nanny. Uh, with me tonight is the bubbly and vivacious and ever so cheerful Miss Jeannie Kay. How are you doing, Miss Jeannie? Jeannie? I, hi, Jan. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Jeannie. How are you? Uh, and the very best producer money can't buy. Very. How are you this evening? I'm good. You're good. Um, yeah. I every week I, I read the news and uh, I more and more wish I didn't. But uh, that's what we do here. So, um, who wants to pick the first story? Me. Venezuela. Okay. Venezuela. We've talked about Venezuela before, um, and the reason we talk about Venezuela is because I have friends there. Um, last week, I had to stop myself from doing a story about a little girl who got a scratch on her leg and it almost killed her um, because of government price controls and the natural consequences that happen from that. So <clears throat> this is from believe Forbes. Venezuela backs away from price controls as citizens go hungry. Caracas, Venezuela. President Nicolas Mardo's government has begun dismantling price controls, a major policy shift that aims to end widespread unrest by letting shops sell food at market prices, but is worsening Venezuela's already punishing inflation. What began as a limited experiment in March in western Zuila state which borders Colombia, has since been rolled out to six other border states, according to a ruling party governors and interviews with supermarket owners and shoppers across the country. One of the governors says plans are afoot to extend the program to the capital, Caracas, where food riots recently broke out just outside the presidential palace. Before there was nothing, now there's everything, says Jesus Barrios, 36, as he shopped in Masibo, the state capital of Zulia. The scheme allows state governments and private retailers with access to dollars to import everything from ketchup to rice from neighboring Brazil, Colombia, and tiny Trinidad and Tobago. 
uh, stores and distributors recuperate the investment by selling the products at many times the state control price, an approach that until now was anathema to a socialist government bent on controlling every aspect of the economy. The authorities bought this food so we would quiet down because hunger topples governments, said shopper Fidel Suaz, an accountant in Marcibo, where dozens of shops were looted in April. Mr. Mardo and his ministers haven't publicly discussed the policy, and the state media apparatus in Caracas hasn't reported on it. Calls seeking elaboration from the price regulator, the presidential office, and the ministries for food and information weren't returned. Laws and decrees fixing prices for food and banning free foreign currency transactions haven't changed, making the food purchases and sales technically illegal. Officials who pushed for the changes in the provinces said they did so because people were desperate. We consulted with the president in view that the shelves were empty and people were demanding food, Franceo Arreas Cagayas, governor of Zuila, told a local newspaper there several weeks ago. Ending price controls has started to ease the chronic shortages that have resulted from in more than half of Venezuelan families skipping meals, according to recent polls. In cities where the controls have been lifted, including Marcibo, and Puerto Ardaz, the long lines of shoppers that had sneaked outside every store have shortened. Looting of markets and food trucks, a daily occurrence just a few months ago, were down a third nationwide in August from May, a high according to the Venezuelan Observatory of Social Conflict, a nonprofit group. The downside for Venezuelans is a tremendous rise in prices, sometimes as much as 20 times the regulated price. This is further fueling inflation that the International Monetary Fund already predicts will rise by 500% this year the highest rate in the world. This week in the private Decanido supermarket in Masibo, 2.2 pounds of rice that sells for 12 cents under price controls elsewhere were selling for $2 a two pound bag. A uh, bag of sugar pegged at 40 cents went for 3.50. Six months ago, hundreds of shoppers broke through the supermarket's windows and doors to get to the scarce price control products after delivery. But on Thursday, a few dozen shoppers calmly browsed the shelves filled with Colombian products as 12 cashiers stood idly by. At least I can come in and buy, even if at high cost, says Anna Esito, a nurse who came in after her shift to get some sugar for her baby's milk. Before, I wouldn't even dream of it because of the line and the people fighting. Still, buying that bag of sugar would swallow almost a quarter of her monthly wage. On the other end of the country, Jazia Lara's used to camp outside the shops in Puerto Ardaz to buy food sometimes even breastfeeding her baby in line. Then came the Brazilian imports. I used to look for anything, whatever was going, even if it meant getting in line the day before, she said. I haven't had to line up for two months now. The armed forces, which has long controlled food distribution, is bringing in the foreign food using ships, cargo planes, and truck convoys. In the eastern ball of our state, the head of the regional military district said he has allocated nearly 100,000 soldiers to safeguard food trucks on the eight-hour journey from the Brazilian border. Brazilian food imports have allowed us to lower tensions in every community that didn't have anywhere to buy their food. Uh, Francisco Rangel Gonias, the ruling party governor of Bolivar, said recently publicly. As it ends price controls in the provinces, the government is also playing favorites by handing out subsidized food to ruling party loyalists. About 15% of Venezuelan families get a big plastic bag filled with products hand-delivered every 45 days, say officials and pollsters. It remained unclear how many would benefit from the imported food. Skyrocketing inflation has made the currency nearly worthless, even with professionals earning the equivalent of $100 monthly. 
the so-called food basket, the basics for family, cost $380 a month at the black market exchange in August, according to the local research institute, CENDA. Still, the government is moving to expand the experiment to the capital. The, government, the governor of the Western state, Jose Valima, told reporters recently, adding that Mr. Mardo had approved that task. And price controls are nearly being phased out in most states, Mr. Velma said. I have sent state officials to buy food in my name in Panama, Dominican Republic, the U.S., and Colombia, he said. The phasing out of price controls is already hitting black market dealers who have been reselling shoppers' marked-up products they obtained at government-set prices. Private distributors are importing the food using savings exchange for dollars on the black market, which is illegal, but being condoned by officials said Adumo Alares, who closely tracks government policies as the director of the Caracas-based research firm Econaletia. <clears throat> From January through June, half of all private imports were financed with dollars obtained at the black market rate, up from a quarter in the same period of 2015, according to that institute. I'm not going to attempt to butcher. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, people are fucking starving to death and they have government sanctioned price gouging. And it, and the reason I say it's government sanctioned is the government is bringing in a fucking food. Right. But there was no food. Okay. Um, I know, but they're sanctioning the price gouging. That's the part that pisses me off. These people we're going hungry. Okay. And and on a side note, this is Venezuela. Why are these people not growing some food by now? They are. They are growing some, but it's not enough. Yeah, the Venezuela has there. a population problem, too. Yeah. Mildly. Yeah. I mean, everybody lives kind of in an apartment. So it, you can grow some food. You can't grow a lot of food. Do you know what I mean? Um, and you can have some chickens, but you can't have a lot of chickens. And you know what it's like. We've talked, oh, talked about this before. before. And I got my first baby chick. Okay, sweet. That's awesome. And, and Ruder, Ruder, Ruder doing fine. Oh, yeah. Ruder, Ruder raised the first six chickens we had from chicks. He claimed them the day we brought them home. So he's... <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, my my uh, bloodhound lab mix loves birds as friends, not as things to end their life. Yeah. Um, but I just, holy shit. And and why the hell are they sending people to the United States to buy food? Did you look at the prices of what they're selling this shit at? These people live on on minuscule. Mm -hmm. Amount of money okay. compared to what we do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right, right. I mean, I just went in and picked up two pizzas and deep fried mushrooms and it was $18. Mm -hmm. They're talking about somebody making $100 a month. Right. Right. So, I mean, don't, don't send them here to buy food because nobody there can afford <laughs> our food. But I mean, well, but, but they have. Nothing. They've nothing. The government. Okay, you need to step off the mic button for a minute. Okay, the government instituted all of these controls, not just on prices. They said everything was a basic human right. Water is a basic human right. Toilet paper is a basic human right. All these foods are a basic human right. 
and because it costs like say 350 to process bundle up and grow rice no you the business are going to subsidize this because we think two pounds of rice should cost 40 cents and the businesses just went we can't survive this way sorry that's why there's no food or anything in venezuela okay go ahead so why isn't the government bringing the food in and selling it to the stores at a set price corruption Corru corruption exactly it's always corruption it's always somebody getting something for their friends or their family by being loyal and betraying the other people that live in the same country they do very have you got an opinion on this at all well yeah obviously it's it's insane but <laughs> this is what happens when you do price control uh, uh -huh. free market economy ain't perfect but it works what then the only solution they've got for the food crisis is the government need to cancel all the stupid controlling of the food mm -hmm. and some reasonably affluent neighbors countrywise venezuela people will barter yet their economy shit but they still have they still have labor bits and pieces that somebody else will take in exchange for food mm -hmm. once you start the free market stuff you know and get rid of all the government controls it'll take It'll probably still take years to settle back down again. It's not oh, well. It's not going to be pleasant at all for the next 20 years. No. But the same happened in the Soviet Union before it's collapsed. You know, you had exactly. empty shops, people queuing mm -hmm. up all day to buy a potato. Yeah. And that you was know, their food I mean... for the week, you know. Um, all, all the communist countries that have instituted strict controls like that, same thing's happened. China... Yeah doesn't have that problem because no, it controls how goods move through the country but it doesn't mm -hmm. set prices yeah. it, it sets it does weird other weird things with the economy instead oh it, it but does people yeah, people aren't does. starving in china because of that whereas any of the population and that kind of fucked up shit yeah well yeah but uh, um, yeah any of the countries that have done price controlling this heavily this has always yeah. happened well i mean we did it here in the 70s you remember yeah. Jeannie, don't you oh yeah i remember i remember sitting in the car with my mom um actually not sitting in the car my mom would get in the line to get gas and my sister and i would go up home and we would make sandwiches and we would walk my mom back down food yeah but i'm saying i mean it, we we instituted not just that, but they instituted a wage on um, wage control. They instituted price freezes. You yep. couldn't raise the prices on anything in grocery stores, and the economy really suffered for it. Like you say, the free market is not a panacea, but it it rises to its own level, and it balances out eventually. This is what happens when the government tries to control money. Because the government's a bunch of dumb fucks, no matter where they are. They can't control money. Uh, it's kind of its own system. It's got its own way that it works. And it balances itself out if you don't fuck with it too much. Inflation is just an entirely fucked up concept to begin with. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I just, I just don't get it. Okay. Well, I'm doing the same job I did last year, but you know, I need a raise for doing the same thing the same way I did last year. Okay. We'll give you a raise. Hmm. We're going to have to raise the cost of our products to recoup that. Okay. Well, in turn, the people buying that are going to have to raise. I mean, the whole inflation just is insane to me. I just don't see where it ultimately benefits anyone. It depends on which economic theory you study. Um, Austrian economics believes that inflation is an invisible tax, that it's the way the government and the banks kind of grab extra of your money while you get less for your value. And that's the easiest way I have to explain it. But think of inflation as an invisible tax. That, that's yeah, that's what someone... makes it a whole fucked up concept. It's economics, babe. It, it's <laughs> it's a fucked up concept all the way around. You're, you're taking people's belief in something that means nothing because we've talked about this before. You are your money, right? Um, that That's the basic concept of economics, right? What you can produce is your worth. You are your money. You are, Adam Smith called it the wealth of nations, right? The wealth of the nations is the ability of the people to work. That is, that is the wealth of nations. That's basically all it is. But when inflation creeps in, that's a way to downgrade the wealth of nations, and put it into someone else's pocket. It's all very fucked up. Yeah, basically, it's inflation and the separation of work and money that has basically happened in most of the world, because that's what it is, folks. Mm -hmm. um, money is no longer connected to anything other than money, but inflation and all the other controls in place basically mm -hmm. just play into the hands of the people who control the money. Nobody exactly. else. Not the exactly. governments, not the people. Just that scant you know, 1% up at the top. Yep. Where you who see are, money... Are, are, who, who gain no matter what happens because of the way the system's mm -hmm. set up. Well, I mean, well, I mean you, know, you know... Here is... And here's just one of those stupid things, you know? I mean, where, where I think that all of these regulations and everything were detrimental to a lot of people... Um, Right now, currently, I think milk, I think a farmer gets um, less than a dollar a gallon for milk. Mm -hmm. um, and out of that, you have to understand that, that whoever buys this milk is skimming the cream off of that. And they're making sour cream or they're making, um, they're making butter and, and things like that. And butter right now <laughs> is like $5 a fucking pound. And, and a gallon of milk is almost $5. Um, but really? yeah, yeah, but yet the guy that produced the fucking milk that grew, had to have acres and acres and acres of land mm -hmm. to grow the feed, to feed the cows, um, mm -hmm. is, is less than a dollar. Um, mm -hmm. so where the fuck has this been beneficial to people? It hasn't it has been beneficial to people. It's been beneficial to corporations. We don't actually have a free market system in place. We have a heavily regulated market. Well, um, I, I can tell it, you what happens with milk in the UK, which will give you a good insight. Right, so okay. you have farmers who have dairy farms. As you say, 
costs quite a lot of money to keep cattle. And each cow only produces a certain amount of milk a day. Then what's happened in the UK and most European countries, and part of what's happening where you are as well, although you also have a bit of government price fixing and dodgy work going on on top. <laughs> um, <laughs> here, the large supermarkets basically set the price of milk. They want to sell milk at a certain price. So I go to Tesco, my local supermarket. It is um, £1 for two litres. It has been £1 for two litres for a long, long time. doesn't matter what the economy has been doing, it stays at that price. Now, funnily enough, with all the fluctuations, it isn't the supermarket that takes the price hit when there's price rises. It's the farmer. So what's happened is, lots of the farmers have gone out of business. But yep. that's okay. Guess who's been buying up the farms? Corporations. Mm, Tesco. Tesco have their own dairy farms. <laughs> they didn't ten years ago. They do now. <laughs> um, I can't say anything. Uh, where I work, we own dairy farms. We own fleets of trucks. Uh, we own our own warehouses. We own... We own a lot of stuff, and every vendor that brings in a product to us, we have to get 30% profit, or they're not allowed to bring in product. Yep. So where I work, we have the most expensive food, but we also have the most help. We have the cleanest stores. You know, We have the friendliest staff. We always have somebody there to help you, and people will pay for that. People will pay for service even knowing it's going to cost them more. Um, but we own absolutely everything. Like you said, dairy farms. Um, you know, yeah, thir uh, we... 30 years ago, supermarkets just sold stuff. Yeah. Now exactly. they own farms. Now they're conglomerates. Now yep. they're big, giant conglomerates. I mean, this is what happens, essentially. I mean, yeah, some of the most controlling right. companies in the world are Walmart and Tesco. Oh, Barry, you have no idea. Walmart just started running an entire series of commercials around here about how many U.S. jobs they're going to be creating. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, nothing in there. Jobs <laughs> that you can't actually make a living doing, but jobs. What these jobs are going to pay, considering everybody that works for that company qualifies for food stamps. Yeah, it's the same over here. Tesco got in a bit of bother a couple of years ago. Because, you know, you zero-hour contracts, they're, um, mm -hmm. they employed loads of people. Oh, look, we've created all these jobs. They're all zero-hour contract jobs. Yep. So, yeah, there but, are jobs, and you couldn't claim benefits because you had a job, but some weeks you might only be working two or three hours. Yep. How are you supposed to live? Oh, tax handouts. That's it, yeah. Well, I mean, how you're supposed to live, basically, if you're one of the service people out on a fucking stoop apparently is how you're supposed to live i mean i mean and i'm over here tickled to death that my butter crunch lettuce all sprouted <laughs> mm -hmm. well that's what makes you uh what did you call yourself when you used to live in the sticks an urban farmer <laughs> <There's that. laughs> But yeah, I mean, here's the thing. 
anybody can do little sorts of things to save themselves money. And I think we we're going to go here, but I guess we are now because that's where my brain went. You buy lettuce. You save the core. You can root the core. You can grow your own lettuce at home. You can do the same with just about any root vegetable. Although I think the hardest one to do from cuttings is carrots. Just because you need so much more space. But you can save yourself a lot of money and not give it to these giant conglomerates. Um, it's an unhealthy system. The food we eat is unhealthy because it's all about making money. Business is unhealthy because it's all about profit before people. It's a really fucked up system all the way around. You know, we have a mutual friend that thinks I'm just completely off my rocker. <clears throat> and I debate with him late at night a lot. Um, okay, but, okay. you know, here I am over here. Am I like the only person on the planet? I mean, I'm not a prepper. I'm really not. But yeah, I, do, <laughs> I do believe in putting up food stores and having it because what if something happens? I want to be able to take care of my family. But we're sitting here trying to live better on less when right, right. it seems like the majority of this fucking country is just trying to make more money so they can, you know, outdo the Joneses. And it's, it's absolutely insane to me. Um, I don't know which one of our mutual friends thinks you're crazy, but, you know, you're not crazy to me. You're living exactly the way my grandparents did and my great-grandparents did. I lived off the land for a majority of my life. So coming into a consumer driven culture and a consumer driven economy is a huge culture shock for me still. Like I can't believe the amount of food people waste. If you grew your own, you wouldn't waste that shit. Oh, food, food waste is ridiculous these days. Mm -hmm. It is. And Let's talk about ugly food for a second. Food that doesn't meet some international standard of beauty, right? They throw that shit out. Yeah, I know. Oh, it's got a spot on it. It's not any good. Right, what? What? No, yeah. it just means it grew outside without being sprayed with all kinds of shit. That's what it means. Yeah. And isn't that better for you, really? Isn't it? Years ago... Okay. How many people listening have acid reflux? When I grew up on the farm and we ate everything raw, and I used to eat a lot of animal products, a lot, a lot, and all of it was raw, um, I was never sick. I was never sick. I never had heartburn. I never had indigestion. I never had GERD. You mean, um, you mean um, raw milk and things. You, you, don't, oh yeah, oh yeah. you don't mean raw meat. No, no, but I mean, there's ways to eat food raw that don't include meat. You know, there's ways to make raw desserts and things like that. Um, we ate a majority of our food raw. When we ate animal meat, it was cooked. Yeah. Um, See, so I have to but... step out of this conversation because I've, I've got a stomach <laughs> problem, which isn't to do with the type of food I eat. Um... Well... <laughs> I'm saying from my own personal yeah. experience, we I didn't grow up eating crap, right? I was a pretty healthy kid. I was a pretty healthy adult. 
all until, you know, the FDA helped my parents lose their organic farm. Thanks, FDA. I, I have lots of reasons to love you, but that's just another good one. Um, and it completely changed my way of life, and I'm not happier. Um, are, are you happier, Jeannie, now that you're not working in a typical, like, say, factory setting, but you're working on your home, you're working on your family, you're growing your crops, you're feeding your animals, you're living a life more like what your grandparents lived and your great-grandparents lived? Um, well, understand, I don't live this way by choice, first. Um, would I still like to be pulling in $70,000 a year? Hell yes, I would. You know, um, my family went through a, a horrible, horrible adjustment um, when my hands went. I mean, it, 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 damn near, it damn near destroyed us. We about lost everything we had. Um, but do, do I feel like I'm somewhat of a pro productive member of my family? Yes. I have looked and looked and looked and, and found ways that even with the extreme limitations I have, I can still provide for my family. I can enjoy what I'm doing. And, you know, things like my first little baby chick hatched and he's he's yellow and white and he's got three little black dots on his head will make me gush all over the fucking internet. <laughs> I think I was a lot happier not working a typical job. Um, I was happier working the land. I won't lie. This is not normal to me. What I do now is absolutely abnormal. The last 20 years of my life have felt really abnormal. I was much happier with my hands in the dirt. I won't lie. Um, but I'm uh, adjusting. <laughs> I have been for the last 20 years. And I still do things that allow me to feel like that. I, I grow orchids. I grow coffee beans. I grow tea. Um, I grow all sorts of luxury kind of things because they grow well down here in the tropics. Um, and it's it still, you know, I made you vanilla sugar for Christmas. Was that pretty good? Oh, we, I still have like half of it. I hoard that shit terribly. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I have it hidden in the back of the, one of the cupboards where nobody can see it. Um, when we moved, I hid it in the back of another cupboard. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, it's, it's fantastic. I just, I like making things. I used to like making my own soap, like old fashioned lye soap. I, this is not a life most people are equipped for but i loved it there's something about being very connected to the land that made me really happy um you've got you do feel that don't you absolutely yeah i don't know uh so that was a massive oh shiny moment <laughs> um do you want to do the bloomberg story next Oh, yes, please. And it's not like this election cycle hasn't just made my blood pressure go through the roof. I just, number one, I just cannot believe 
that the mass population is actually going to choose one or the other of these fucking buffoons. But this story makes the entire thing an even bigger nightmare. Okay, so, I mean, a lot of this comes from the WikiLeaks stuff, which, as uh, very explained, is, is a lot of it's being called into question. But I think it's only right that we look at some of this stuff. I would urge people who um, have not heard of Tom DeLonge to do some sort of um, research on him and his connection with John Podesta. And then go look for his name in the Podesta files. Um, because I think you'll find some very interesting um things about, about no, the democrats, democrats and you know ufos mm -hmm. no, 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 no 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 i'm no, i'm have they ever actually proven that something on wikileaks was a lie barry um there's certainly been there's been individual parts i believe sections they haven't proved anything's completely false but what, they, they but have proven, experts, they have proven that some people misquoted it, but yeah, I'm, and other, yeah, um, sections of WikiLeaks it. seem to have been edited after the information drop, is yeah, what but, some security okay. guys are saying. I don't know if it was edited before or after the WikiLeaks drop, but I will tell you, I think we can implicate 4chan, at least in the Podesta emails. Um, yeah, there's definitely... I think they've been hacked multiple times over the years, to be fair. Oh, I'm, I'm saying... Loads of people could have been messing about with stuff. I'm No, I'm saying I think we, I think that the WikiLeaks dump, the Podesta dump, okay? Yeah. I think that came from the fuckers of 4chan. Mm -hmm. um, and you don't know what they do, because they're into stuff for sheer laughs, right? You know, you don't know if they're doing something to be funny or not. So I don't know whether they came to them in this order or not. And I'll just put it that way. But this this story, I believe, WikiLeaks, Bloomberg interested in Secretary of State. Everybody's favorite Nazi. I'm sorry. See, you have Hitlery running for office. And then you've got everybody's second favorite Nazi, Bloomberg, who wants to be Secretary of State. All hail Bloomberg. Mm, fucking bastard. I, well, I think if he gets in as, as Secretary of State, um, I think we can look forward to more caliphate-like actions against smokers. Um, I keep I keep arguing with Will over this um, because I mean I, I number one I think that both of these two are a nightmare waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. Me personally, I think she is a bigger nightmare. Um, I think she's saying all the right things to try to get women voters to vote for her. And I think mm -hmm. she's saying all the right things to get the gay community um, and the, the, the L, all the letters um, on her side. And I think what they are completely ignoring in that scene is that 10 years ago, she was actively against them. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, she said it in interview after interview after interview. Um, she conveniently says whatever it's going to take um, – to get what she considers the minorities on her side and to back her and and it's sick and disgusting but mm -hmm. i mean if if she gets elected as president 
with the extreme views that she has on the Constitution and the amendments to the Constitution and the fact that in, in the course of her presidency, she could seat as many as five of the Supreme Court justices. And then you put Bloomberg in as Secretary of State. The, people just do not understand the <laughs> ramifications of that. I agree. Uh, I agree, but I'm starting to think the best government is no government. Um, no doubt, um, looking at um, douchebag one and douchebag two has led me to that conclusion this year. I mean, you can't even get one halfway popular person and one other halfway popular person to run. Um, nobody likes these candidates. Um this will be an election where it's less voting for one person than voting against everything the other two stand for. Um, and if you think, if you think Donald Trump is a Republican, wow. Um, you really need to go and read the stuff he stands for because, um, he implements a lot of that shit. Um, you're, you're you're uh, you're you're really going to be surprised. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yes, the <laughs> the uh, the the more dark humoured uh, commentators have been. Uh, I have seen one say that it's the first American election where suicide should be one of the options on the ballot. Uh, well, giant it's that meteor. Bad. Yeah. Well, that wasn't giant meteor was polling at like forty two percent earlier this year. Yeah. It was polling higher than Trump and and Hitlery. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, w WikiLeaks Bloomberg interested in Secretary of State. Uh, former New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg is interested in serving as Secretary of State under Hitlery Clinton, according to emails published by WikiLeaks. But views, but views the prospect as unlikely. Is there something Mike Bloomberg would want to do in his life as an admin? Is like ambassador to China way too small? Nira Tandarin, co-chair on Clinton's presidential transition team, wrote in a June 2015 email to Howard Wolfson, an aide to Bloomberg. Tandon forwarded the exchange to Clinton's campaign chairman, John Podesta, <clears throat> fucker, writing something to know for down the road. Uh, Bloomberg, the billionaire who saw as mayor to ban soft drinks larger than 16 ounces considered a third party bid for the presidency this year, but ultimately rolled against it. The exchange was included in a stash of 1,000, um, sorry, 12,073 messages obtained from Podesta's personal Gmail account and published by WikiLeaks. Um, I'm pretty sure the chances of Bloomberg, uh, getting secretary of state are you know like the chances of i don't know me, me getting my own tv news show they're, they're that that over because this election proved that can't happen <laughs> although they could stick know. him as said in the email they could stick him with ambassador to china because yeah that's an office that doesn't actually do anything really because any ambassador to China from any country goes to China, 
talks with them, the Chinese smile, nod, and completely ignore anything you say anyway. <laughs> that yeah, would probably shoot Bloomberg, because he he'd be able to be a blowhard, but it wouldn't do any damage. Yeah, but he's already... I mean, you see what he's doing with his money, y'all. Oh, yeah. I mean, you see he's taken and he's building these medical schools... <laughs> for people that want to want to go where, work where for, he can influence for the, for the people to his views for, for people who want to go work for the world health organization yeah i, I, I was going to say you forgot to put your quote trained medical well i didn't say it was medical in the sense of medical medical i mean i think the worst thing when i look back i can't fucking stand bloomberg and i really wish i had and i do but I would have to go back through like five years of this shit. But you remember the story we did about Bloomberg, Jeannie? Jan, we did a lot of them because remember that's when I came up with the whole all hail Bloomberg bullshit. Yeah, but the Time Magazine piece, I, I wish people could really reread that because it was so terrible. I was almost sick to my stomach. I, I paid for that story. I paid through the nose to read that story because I'm like, well, this this. This is something we need to keep an eye on. And it, it talked about, you know, how much he wanted to influence our ways of life and we could be so much healthier. And in that story, it talked a little bit about how the Bloomberg Initiative was reaching out to religious organizations to try to get them to stop people smoking. And in that story, he talked about reaching out to the Muslim community and not just the Muslims, like the caliphate. And now you see what the caliphate does to their smokers. Uh, you know, they do a Robert Duarte thing on them. I am very uncomfortable with that. I'm uncomfortable that a man with uh, eugenics-like tendencies has this much money and this much power and this much influence. It scares me to death. It really does. Well, I mean, the, 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 he was supposed to be going and helping Africa, uh, which he didn't do very much of, because basically he'll have shown up there and the warlords and dictators would have gone, get out or we're going to chop your head off. When he starts well, on I his, mean... oh, you should be having less sugar and blah, 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 blah. And yet again, these this is in countries where... You know, people are starving to death. There's civil war, and and they send, and they send somebody like Bloomberg. Half of her income for the month to buy sugar for her child's milk. Yeah, um, Bloomberg is a scary fucker, and the the worst part is people with that much money think they know what's best for all of us, right? This is why you're seeing the rise of Donald Trump, right? This is why you saw UKIP rise. This is why you're seeing far-right nationalist parties rise, because people are sick of saying to their politicians, listen to me, I'm a person, I have views, pay attention to me, I don't want you to do this, and they go, well, we know what's best. This is what we're stuck with as our, as our political, political leaders. And then you got Hugh Hefner going, oh, I've got lots of money, here's some tits and ass, have fun! <laughs> it's just... It's so screwed up. At least anyway. Hefner's more honest about it in many ways. <laughs> oh, incidentally, yeah, the, the 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 Trump and his money. Yeah. 
Did you see the news today from the UK? Apparently no. spent 130 million last year at the Turnberry Golf Course. Uh, I happen to know somebody that's recently been to the Turnberry Golf Course. And, yeah, he renovated the hotel there. Uh, it's now a, a gaudy eyesore on the inside. You'll be inspired to learn. <laughs> wow. You know, he thinks it's classy, I'm sure. Um, I think one of the funnier things I saw was the, uh, the funnier die, you know, Trump movie. That was hilarious. <laughs> Oh, the Johnny Depp one. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how he did it. The one it. That's, that you basically have to get from torrent sites because, well, Trump's lawyers have been everywhere. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great, though. It's great, though. Well, no, Netflix had it. Yeah, Netflix for a while had until it. they got told to take it down. Yeah. Yeah. But, yes, it's very funny. He get, he's got all the he's got all the mannerisms spot on. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. Um. What scares me even more now, funny or die, scares the shit out of me. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this video, right? And it's Will I Am making fun of Trump. And he looks much better than Trump, right? And then at the end, you know, this video's done and he stands up and makes this big speech about how um, we need a ruler who's going to take us into the 21st century and and heal all the problems of the world. And the only person fit to do that is Hillary Clinton. I almost threw up. I was like, I cannot believe people are sprouting this bullshit. It's not true. How can they convince themselves of that? Well, I'm I mean, sorry. I don't normally go off on Well, I am now spends a lot of time over here. Uh, and yeah, here he's just seen as a... Oh, he's a crazy oddball musician. Whereas, yeah, he's got a lot more pull over your way, which is way more worrying. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it's more worrying than Trump. I know, I know. Kevin played, Kevin last night on his show played, um, and I got to get the link for it because, Jan, you, you would think that this is, you would like this. It was, you would find humor in it. It would be a cold, dark humor, but you would find humor in it. Okay. But okay. it's this couple talking about, you know, Michelle Obama crying during that press conference over what Donald Trump said and how asinine it is because she thinks that Beyonce and, and, and Jay-Z are, are role models for her children and has a White House. And then they proceeded to start reading all of these Beyonce lyrics and Jay-Z lyrics, which are saying the same shit and worse shit. So, and, and it called that, an, but people just... I think this election cycle has polarized people. Um, yeah, it yeah. has really brought out the absolute worst in humans. Um, Democrats are having shit fits over the fact that, that Republican women are at Republican conventions wearing shirts that Donald can, you know, Trump can grab my and whatever. And yeah, I'm like, well, wait a minute, <laughs> because eight years ago, it was the Democrats who at their rallies were wearing shirts calling Sarah Palin the C-word. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, I, I, I don't... I don't like Donald Trump. I don't. I wouldn't vote for him if he gave me a million dollars. I don't I like... Just, I just need to say, how much money is Simon Cowell making out of your current election cycle? I, I have no Because it's idea. definitely like Americans Got Talent or X Factor or something like mm -hmm. that. 
Because that's what it's like now. Yeah. I know. It, it's not. It's so surreal. I think. I think um, it has been. It has been created by Simon Cowell. They brought Simon <laughs> Cowell in. We need to sex up elections, get more people engaged. <laughs> and he's like, right. Yeah. Here's what you do. <laughs> well, it it didn't get people engaged. It got people enraged. And let's not forget yesterday, what happened. There was a Republican. Um, com not convention, but a, a Republican like call center in a town that was firebombed. And all over the place, outside of it, it says Nazi Republicans go home or we'll hunt you down and kill you. Right? So these are, are your extremes on one side. And you have your extremes on the other side. Um, somewhere in the middle, there's something that makes sense. Uh, I don't like her, obviously. I've gone on and on about how much I can't stand Hillary. I really can't. But I've looked at her public service experience and the things she's done. And if you looked too, you would be terrified. Um, Trump is just terrible. It'd be like having Leslie Nielsen uh, in office at its funniest, at its worst, it would be pant-shittingly terrifying. Um, you've got Daryl Castle. I don't really know too much about him. Um, you've got Johnson. He has his moments. Um, he doesn't really know where Alipo is, but he does support vaping, so there's that. Um, you've got Jill Stein, who... You know, if you're a Democrat and you support a lot of the things that Democrats do, I would actually urge you to vote for Jill Stein. Jill Stein terrifies me, too. Um, she does. Just saying. I, I, don't, I don't think there's any good choices. And these are the parties we're kind of limited to. There has to be more choices out there. If you've got to hold your nose and pick one there has to be more choices than this right there's not so you have to look at who's the best of the bad choices and that's what sucks about politics okay um where was i does anybody want to pick one we, we can read north dakota oh yeah we can we can get me all pissed off. Sure, good choice. <laughs> okay. North, North Dakota. Dakota. <laughs> yeah, well, the top of your head almost blew off when you read everything I had for tonight's show. So um, we're just picking the highlights here, folks. Be happy you didn't read this whole thing. Okay. North Dakota's war on the First Amendment goes from bad to worse. North Dakota State Attorney Lad Erickson has dropped criminal trespassing charges against Democracy Now!'s Amy Goodman and is instead seeking to charge her with participating in a riot, Democracy Now! reported today. Both sets of charges relate to Goodman's coverage of the protests against the Dakota Access Pipeline Project, which is opposed by Native American-led coalition but is concerned about the threat to sacred and historic sites. North Dakota's water resources, and the planet's climate. 
While accusing a journalist of trespassing for covering a breaking story of vital public interest is a clear threat to the freedom of the press, a riot charge would be even worse because it would attempt to criminalize Goodman's point of view as a reporter. In emails to Goodman's lawyer quoted in Democracy Now!, Erickson acknowledged that it would be difficult to convict Goodman of trespassing because of legal issues with providing the notice of trespassing requirement in the statute. But Erickson suggested that Goodman could be charged with rioting because she was not acting as a journalist while documenting security guards using pepper spray and sicking attack dogs on protesters. Erickson asserted to the Bismarck Tribune that Goodman was a protester, basically. Everything she reported on was from the position of justifying the protest actions. Erickson's professors at a law school no doubt explained to him that the First Amendment does not permit prosecutors to charge people with crimes based on their point of view. Whether Goodman was covering the story because she thought it was important news or because she sympathized with the fact that she, that fact that she was acting as a reporter. Under Erickson's legal theory, reporters covering Birmingham's uh, protests in the 1960s would have been stripped of the protection of the Bill of Rights if it could have been proven that they intended to show that Bull Connor's treatment of civil rights marchers was unjust. This kind of interrogation of journalist motives needs to be rejected, and hopefully will be, when Erickson's request to charge Goodman goes before District Judge John Gernscheinder on Monday, October 17th. At the Center for Constitutional Rights, Kathleen Frank said in response to Erickson's prosecutorial threat, filming Native Americans being violently attacked as they are being denied their land is not rioting. It's called journalism. It's protected by the First Amendment, and indeed, it is an essential function in a democratic society. Meanwhile, documentary filmmaker Dia Schlossberg has been charged in North Dakota's Pember County with three felony counts in connection with her filming of the Dakota Access protests, conspiracy to theft of property, conspiracy to theft of services, and conspiracy to tampering with or damaging a public service. Those charges, too, appear to be based on prosecutors' assumptions that Schlossberg was sympathetic to the protestant, which state's attorney Ryan Bayless deemed to be, quote, not a protest, but a, quote, criminal action. It seems it's illegal for journalists to have political opinions in North Dakota. I like democracy now. They lean way far to the left for me. But they um, do really good news. Go ahead. Just had a look. Margot brought it up in chat. Yeah, apparently mm -hmm. the riot charges have been dropped. The judge rejected them. Well, they would have to now, wouldn't they? Yeah. I mean, that's just that's... been reported in the last couple of hours. So. I mean, yeah. that's just retarded. That is retarded. Okay. And yeah, okay. the guardians got it, so it must be fairly kosher. So yes. Okay. Um. All right then. Yay. Yeah, that's so good. that's 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 a that's, that's an improvement. <laughs> There's still all the other people that have been arrested that are waiting what charges. What the fuck were they thinking that they even got to file the fucking things in the first place? They were thinking that they were embarrassed because people sicked attack dogs on elderly women, children, and helpless people in wheelchairs for protesting. You know, and that got caught on film, and it fucking looked bad. Oh, I mean, the, the pepper spray thinking. video is horrible. I mean, yeah, it's it's some terrible shit. You want to see some terrible shit? 
go to the Democracy Now! website and see the videos that they filmed and what happened to those people at those protests. And I'll tell you what, the only reason these fucking prosecutors thought they could get away with it was because these people are poor and brown. What people fail to take into their complex thought processes, right? What's a good analogy? Um, remember when Han Solo got frozen in cordonite? Carbonite. I don't know what carbonite. You mean. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, the general says that he wants this other person frozen in carbonite and, and somebody says to him, but, but that could kill him. We haven't even tested it yet. And he says, well, tested on Captain Solo. Yeah. And they freeze him and, you know, basically end a story for a little while. That's basically what happens. Um, what happens to the poor and brown? Those are the test people. That's coming for us soon enough. Whatever happens to these people is going to happen to us. It's going to happen to you far away in your safe little home. If you have an opinion some asshole prosecutor doesn't agree with, you're going to go to jail for it. But and and it's, and it's terrifying. people are forgetting, though, with, with the Native Americans. Um, number one, folks, they were here first. Just saying, they were here first. Um, the, the, the United States government treats the Indian population so badly everything we promise them we end up and when i say we i mean the american government not me because i give them back their shit um but you know they treat them worse than they have treated anyone else in the history of this country everybody else we go and beat up we pay to rebuild their shit we pay them for fucking decades even when they were the ones wrong in the first place. Not the Native Americans. That's not how this works. And if people look over the history of how Native Americans have been treated in this country, and you think that that is okay, you are fucking whacked out crazy. They're still doing it. They still do it on a daily basis. They treat these people like they're fucking subhuman. And it's absolutely disgusting. No, I agree. You you don't you don't know what it's like until you've been to a reservation. People don't have running water. You don't know what it's like. I, I have. I have. It's terrible. It is a terrible way of life. But these people are you know, they have their their little corner of wherever and they're happy just fucking leave them there you know don't do the shit you do i don't i don't understand it but you know apparently i don't have to understand what our government does it can do whatever the fuck it wants for as long as it wants to whoever it wants to including to american citizens you know, we can drone bomb them if they're in other countries. Um, and I'm going to tell you something. I, I know we're not really talking about Trump, but that's kind of the thing that scares me about Trump, right? We know that Obama has a kill list, right? 
we know that he goes in every Wednesday or whatever, and they have a meeting and they decide, you know, who they're going to put down this week. The idea that, I mean, I'm not in love with Obama, but I think he at least has some fucking self-control, maybe. I'm not sure how much self-control I think Trump has or Hillary has. Um, seen her writing emails about how what she wants to do is take and wipe the Ecuadorian embassy off the map and can't we just drone strike Julian Assange because he's such a pain in the ass. Um, I'm saying I wouldn't put it past these people to do that shit. I, I am very unhappy with my government having that power. What should scare everybody else is the people coming into office will now hold that power. Um, that That's maybe what you should think about when you vote this time. Do you want those people to have the ability to call down a Hellfire missile on you? I, I really don't. Do you? Anybody? Not really, because a Hellfire, uh, you can't jam it because it's video guided. Um, yeah. <laughs> by cable, but, I mean, must be said, so you can't jam the damn thing. Um, but you can understand, like, where I have a real problem with some of this stuff. And it's not just because, you know, I lean to the left or I lean to the right. Uh, I'm on the side of life. I, I don't necessarily feel like the people in control of my government are. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean... It is funny, the stuff about Clinton, drone strike, killing Assange. Really, if he was as big a pain in the ass as some in the establishment claim publicly, he'd have been dead ages ago. I'm sure he serves a purpose. Yeah. I think everybody who's still allowed to breathe serves a purpose for these people. I not what it is. If Hillary gets, thank you, Michael Morris. If Hillary gets elected, I'd like to have home delivery of a Hellfire. Um, I don't think we're allowed to just get Hellfire missiles delivered to us. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure Amazon could do it. They've got drones. <laughs> oh, did anybody see the ISIS drone videos? Yeah. That's. I'm sorry. So we've graduated from sending suicide bombers into sending in suicide drones. Suicide drones were the first drones they had. That's yeah, Gen 1. Saying... I mean, well, Gen 0, because they're claiming the ones they have just <laughs> now are Generation 1. But they've been around. All... It was the Israelis that had the first drones. So, Margo, you're going to have Prime deliver you a Hellfire missile? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not too confident. If people want stuff, uh, you know, bought online, uh, look up the Miltech website. <laughs> Sorry, Milcom. Milcom. I'd just like to point out that we have a story in here about the federal <laughs> government moderating social media. I'm just saying. I don't give a fuck. I really don't. All this stuff is from actual sources. Everything I've said I can back up. You you know, um I have a big mouth. 
might not say a lot on social media pages. I say a lot here. And I'm sure people listen to it every week. I'm sure it's cataloged. I'm sure my personal NSA spook just loves this. Yellow cake. Yellow cake. Yeah, I'm sure he just loves this. But I don't think I'm a threat to the establishment at all. I think I speak out. I think I tell people the truth, but I don't think I'm a threat at all. At all. I'm just like one of those marginalized little voices that they let exist. So that they can say, see, we, we allow the public to engage in political speech. We allow other opinions to exist. There's a reason why there's little people doing little shows everywhere that aren't, you know, wiped off the map. It's because we serve a purpose. Something that can be pointed to and said, look, see, we still allow dissenting opinion. We're very, very, um, we're very, very good about that. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, pick, somebody pick before I go off again. Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard. Scotland Yard, teaching people to use crypto is an act of terrorism. Samatha Ula from Cardiff faces six terrorism charges, including preparation of terrorism, by researching an encryption program, developing an encrypted version of his blog site, and publishing the instructions around the use of the program on his blog site. Another charge against Ula is that he provided instruction or training in the use of encryption programs for the commission or preparation of acts of terrorism or for assisting the commission or preparation by others of such acts. Finally, he was charged with possessing a universal serial bus cufflink that had an operating system loaded onto it for a purpose connected with the commission, preparation, or instigation of terrorism. That is a thumb drive loaded with an operating system like Tails. If you're a reporter, not a hack like me, you use Tails. Something that many people, including the reporter who wrote this, keep around in order to boot their computers into known good states to check for malware and to make sure our communications are secure. In other words, According to Scotland Yard, serving a site owner, a site over HTTPS, as the one that this story comes from is, and teaching people to use crypto as the site this is on, and possessing a secure operating system, as the owner of that website does, are acts of terrorism or potential acts of terrorism. In some of the charges, the police have explicitly connected these charges with planning an act of terrorism. But in at least one of the charges, operating a site served over HTTPS and teaching people about crypto, the charge lacks this addendum. The mere act is considered worthy of terrorism charges. Scotland Yard's own site is not available over HTTPS, though other UK governmental sites are. And the UK government offers its own crypto training tools. The charge sheet includes one count of preparation of terrorism by researching an encryption program, developing an encrypted version of his blog site and publishing the instructions. Um, okay. So, yeah. 
That's ridiculous. What, what did this man really do? So I, my I'm computer information systems instructors can be charged with terrorism in Scotland. That's handy. Not Scotland Yards, the head, the the center of the Metropolitan Police. It's mm -hmm. not Scotland, weirdly, but right. The built the original place is Scotland Yard, is the area in mm -hmm. London. That's where the building okay. is. So it's not it is Scotland, but it's not. If you know what I mean, it's the UK okay. basically. Okay. But yeah, it's, right. it is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, what, what, I don't know what the guy had specifically on his site. Uh, he may well have been instigating certain ideas, but to use the fact that he's using encryption as mm -hmm. as an excuse, that's just ridiculous. You have to hope any judge that gets that anywhere near them is going to go, are you nuts? Right. Um, but we won't know until that comes to, comes to court. Samatha Ula. Um, yeah, he was, <laughs> oh, okay, um, nice. So, um, uh, upon Tamata Ula's return to Britain on 1 December 2015, the report says, uh, SIS put him under intense radical surveillance to learn more about the Hillary Clinton spy network he was working on. When indications showed him about to leave Britain a few weeks ago, he was arrested secretly on September 22nd. Oh, my God. So, yeah. So, that makes me feel safe. <laughs> <laughs> now I really feel good about Hillary. Um, yeah. Yeah. He, um, yeah. Lovely. So, yeah, look, he, he, yeah, they're claiming he was doing a bit of hacking and stuff, probably, I would think. Yeah. Right. Well, if he was doing observation stuff to do with Clinton, that's basically, yeah, they have to hack. They'd have been yeah. trying to hack into databases and stuff. Probably. I don't know. I'm just, uh, yeah. So, is it that he's actually, I mean, I get that he's considered a terrorist. I get that. Yeah. Um, so he has some connections to IS. But when they're criminalizing people for using crypto, crypto communications, cryptocurrency, yeah. that but sort of thing, he's, that's he's, dangerous for all of us. He's possibly done something dodgy, but they're using the wrong thing to try and prosecute him, basically. Exactly. If you're, if you're going to say, okay, this thing right here is what makes him a criminal and gives us the right to do this, then everybody needs to be aware that you're doing this too. So by the letter of the law that they're utilizing, mm -hmm. yep, yep. you are now a terrorist too. That's the thing. They, they, they can't get him on what they want to get him on. So they made up this other crazy, insane nonsense to do it, which basically criminalized a lot so, of other people. And they're like, well, but the intent, it was, it was his intent. That's the thing. No, 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 no. The intent is not what you fucking charged him with. Very. Mm -hmm. What is triple canopy? Uh, no idea. <laughs> okay. I'm going to stick a link here in chat. Um, so this is the company that Ulla was a computer programmer for, right? 
this is back when he was actually overseas. <laughs> yeah, he was hacking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> One look yeah. at the that page is all you need to know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um he, he's a he's a he's Yeah, what we're saying is they didn't really have what they wanted, so again they made shit up. Yes. But the thing is, once there's precedence, how fucked is the next guy who's just running a website to teach people about crypto communication and cryptocurrency? Oh, I've what, been trying to what? make people understand precedent uh-huh. for quite a while now. And I still think that I'm in a tinfoil hat. So, you know, what the fuck? Well, I mean, the the, the most worrying bit is the HTTPS thing. Yeah, About so that's half the internet uses that. So, yeah. I, I actually use a plugin that forces HTTPS over all websites or it won't allow me to connect to them. Yeah. I, I don't... There's a reason for that. I try to avoid using sites that, incidentally, for people who don't know, your web browser, when it's got that little padlock, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's HTT, that's HTTPS. It means uh-huh. it's being encrypted. It's protect you, The communication between you and the website has some protection. Not very yeah. good protection, but some. Some, yeah. which is way better than none. None, yes. And this, th- this is why... Things like actually, no, yeah. I mean, the the general rule is no little padlock, no personal details. Definitely uh-huh, no exactly. personal details. Well, right. Um, this is why pri- uh, privacy badger. If it didn't have such a steep learning curve, I would recommend that out of the box to absolutely everybody I know. Go to EFF. Get the privacy badger plugin, because that shit's awesome. It's a pain in the ass to learn to use, but that shit blocks everything. And I don't use that. It, it's it's so protective. I'm not getting any information online. That's how protective it is. It builds a little box around you, and you're basically moving around the internet completely invisible. It's great. Privacy Badger is excellent. It is an excellent thing to use to keep yourself safe. But it actually makes it so the internet's unusable for me. That's why I use like Ghostery and things like that. I use a lot more stuff than I would just using Privacy Badger. I would use a lot less. And even with Privacy Badger, yeah, you, you're more secure. But they could still find somebody could still find you if they're looking. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. I'm picking one. <laughs> so, can you see where I am? <laughs> yes. I think this one's interesting. Um, and it's interesting because it deals with one of my favorite things. Your digital Fourth Amendment rights. Feds walk into a building, demand everyone's fingerprints to open phones. In what's believed to be an unprecedented attempt to bypass the security of Apple iPhones or any smartphone that uses fingerprints to unlock, California's top cops asked to enter a residence and force anyone inside to use their biometric information to open their mobile devices. Forbes found a court filing dated May 9, 2016, 
in which the Department of Justice sought to search a Lancaster, California property. But there was a more remarkable aspect of the search as pointed out in the memorandum. Authorization to depress the fingerprints and thumbprints of every person who is located at the subject premises during the execution of the search, who is reasonably believed by law enforcement to be the user of a fingerprint sensor-enabled device that is located at the subject premises and falls within the scope of the warrant. The warrant was not available to the public, nor were other documents related to the case. According to the memorandum signed off by U.S. Attorney for the Central District of California, Eileen Decker, the government asked for even more than just fingerprints. While the government does not know ahead of time the identity of every digital device or fingerprint, or indeed every other piece of evidence that it will find in the search, it has demonstrated a probable cause that evidence may exist at the search location and needs the ability to gain access to those devices and maintain access to search them. For that reason, the warrant authorizes the seizure of passwords, encryption keys, and other access devices that may be necessary to access the device, the document read. Legal experts were shocked at the government's request. They want the ability to get a warrant on the assumption that they will learn more after they have a warrant, said Marina Melvin of Melvin Law. Essentially, Essentially, they are seeking to have the ability to convince people to comply by providing their fingerprints to law enforcement under the color of law because of the fact that they already have a warrant. They want to leverage this warrant to induce compliance by people they decide are suspects later on. This would be an unbelievably audacious abuse of power if it were permitted. Go ahead, Jeannie. You were going to say something. They're fishing. They are fishing. Jennifer Lynch, senior staff attorney at the Electronic Frontier Foundation, added, it's not enough for a government to just say, we have a warrant to search this house, and therefore this person should unlock their phone. The government needs to say specifically what information they expect to find on the phone, how it relates to criminal activity, and I would argue they need to set up a way to access only the information that is relevant to the investigation. The warrant has to be particular in how it describes the place to be searched and the thing to be seized and limited in scope. This part, God damn it. Um, that is why if a government suspects a criminal activity to be happening on a property and there are 50 apartments in that property, they have to specify which apartment and why and what they expect to find there. While the Department of Justice yay, declined to comment. Forbes was able to contact a resident at the property in question, but they refused to provide details on the investigation. They did, however, indicate the warrant was served. They should never have come to my house, the person said. In an attempt to protect the president's privacy, Forbes has chosen to censor the address from the memorandum posted that I stuck in the chat um, and conceal their name, but the document is public. Search hard enough and you'll find it. I did not know about it till I was served. My family and I are trying to let this pass over because it was embarrassing to us and should have never happened. They said neither they nor any relatives living at the address had ever been accused of being part of any crime, but declined to offer more information. Never seen anything like this, Lynch added. Indeed, the memorandum has revealed the first known attempt by the government to acquire fingerprints of multiple individuals in certain locations to unlock smartphones. 
The documents also showed the government isn't afraid of getting inventive to bypass the security of modern smartphones. Faced with growing technical difficulties of unlocking phones, the government has sought to find new legal measures to allow them easy routes in. Hence, the All Writs Act order that demanded Apple open the iPhone 5C of San Bernardino shooter Saeed Ruiz Farouk, but with Apple refusing to comply with the order and a pushback from the likes of Google and Microsoft, cops are increasingly looking for fingerprints as one option for searching smartphones. Alphanumeric codes, people. Do not use your smartphone fingerprint unlock. Please do not. Forbes revealed earlier this year one of the first known warrants demanding a suspect depress their fingerprints to open a smartphone, an iPhone filed by Los Angeles police in February. This publication also uncovered a case in May where feds investigating an alleged sex trafficking racket wanted to access a public a suspect's iPhone 5S with his fingerprints. Both were ultimately unsuccessful in opening the devices. The Michigan State Police Department had more luck this summer by asking a university professor to create a fake fingerprint that could unlock a Samsung Galaxy S6. The team led by Dr. Ansel Jane succeeded. He told Forbes in July the same technique worked on an iPhone 6 and a Samsung S7. Is it legal? The memorandum, which specifically named Apple, Samsung, Motorola, and HTC as manufacturers of fingerprint-based authentication, outlined the government's argument that taking citizens' fingerprints or thumbprints without permission violated neither the Fourth nor Fifth Amendment. Huh. That's not how I read either of those. In past interpretations of the Fifth Amendment, suspects could not be compelled to hand over their passcode as it could amount to self-incrimination. But the same protections have not been afforded for people's body data, even if the eventual effect is the same. Citing a Supreme Court decision in Schumer v. California, a 1966 case in which police took a suspect's blood without his consent, the government said self-incrimination protections would not apply to the use of a person's body as evidence when it may be material. It also cited Holt v. United States, a 1910 case, and United States v. Diocino, a 1973 case, although it did point to more recent cases, including Virginia v. Baust, where the defendant was compelled to provide his fingerprint to unlock a device. Though Baust did provide his biometric data, it failed to open the iPhone. After 48 hours of not using Touch ID or a reboot, Apple asked for the code to be re-entered. As for the fourth, the feds said protections against unreasonable searches did not stand up when the taking of fingerprints is supported by other reasonable suspicion, citing 1985's Hayes v. Florida. Other cases, dated well before the advent of smartphones, were used to justify any brief detention that would arise from forcing someone to open their device with a fingerprint. The justifications didn't wash with Melvin or Lynch. Of the Fourth Amendment argument, Medvin said, the police don't have the right to search a person or place in hopes of justifying the search later as reasonable. That's not how the Fourth Amendment works, Medvin added. You need to have a reasonable basis before you begin the search. That reasonable basis is what allows you to search in the first place. The reason I'm so concerned about this is that it's so broad in scope and the government is relying on these outdated cases to give it access to this amazing amount of information. Part of the government, the part the government is ignoring here is the vast amount of data that's on the phone, Lynch added. If this kind of thing became law, 
then there would be nothing to prevent a search of every phone at a certain location. One. Stop using fingerprint ID on your phone. It doesn't work. And this yep. shit happens. Yep. Um, two. Yeah, use a pin code. That's... Yeah. Yep. Three. Uh, I put a link in chat. It's an interesting Reddit uh, article about... Well, your phone can store multiple fingerprints. So, have a... You can set one up that'll completely lock up your phone. So the police come in and demand you use your fingerprint to, to open your phone. You go, oh, you do a fingerprint scan, and then the phone st st stops working. Um, uh -huh. They haven't thought it's of that one, have they? The government. No. Well, They're not the known for thinking. No, <laughs> the government's about 20 years behind everybody else. Genie. Yeah. I... I Jan, honestly, um, I don't. You'd be really happy to know that I do not use the fingerprint unlock for my phone. You don't use the middle finger print. print. No, I do not. <laughs> I don't use my fingerprints. Well, I take that back. I have to tell you, we do have one door lock in our house that is a fingerprint door lock. Okay, I hope it's inside the house, and that's all I need to know. I'm kidding. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me. Um. You know, I I find this incredibly dangerous. I mean, I, I get where it doesn't bother people, but it bugs the holy living shit out of me. The Fourth and Fifth Amendments were not part of this, quote, living constitution bullshit. They were written to protect your basic rights. I mean, your very most basic rights. Not to incriminate yourself. And not to have things searched willy-nilly for no goddamn good reason. Correct? That's my basic, basic reading of them. Well, but to go... Well, I will tell you this about the fingerprint door lock. I can't use it, Jan. I have to... I have to use the... I have to use the keypad <laughs> mm -hmm. because my hands are never a normal body temperature. Right. And, and they scan for body temperature. Mine <laughs> are either way hotter or way colder. <laughs> So I could never get the fucking door open. <laughs> it used to be on the back door of our house in Shingle House. It's not anymore <laughs> because I could never get in the freaking house, um, which was really kind of funny. My husband would, would laugh hysterically over it until one day I threatened to break the glass out of the back door. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, you have every right to want to get in your house. Um. If somebody else doesn't pick and doesn't pick one that doesn't make me want to scream, I'm going to do the stingray where I want. Do the dog. Do the dog then. The dog. Okay. This is going to require a bit of scrolling. I think probably everybody's seen this, but who really gets to read this sort of thing out loud? I, I had to. <clears throat> okay. So. Troopers. Man mixing LSD and cough syrup saves dog from imaginary fire. Half Moon. A half moon man allegedly broke into his neighbor's house to save the family dog from a fire Thursday night. However, there was no fire. Troopers say he was on LSD and hallucinating. Troopers say 43-year-old Michael Orchard of Inglewood Drive told them he mixed LSD with cough medicine Thursday afternoon and they found him standing heroically with a dog in his arms outside of what he thought was a giant inferno. 
He believed the residence was on fire and he was rescuing the dog, said Trooper Mark CPL, G spokesperson. Neighbors tell News Channel 13, Orchard went around the neighborhood banging on doors, yelling about a fire. Since no one would help, because there was no fire, the animal lover took matters into his own hands to save the dog, allegedly driving his black BMW sedan through the fence. Troopers say once Orchard got through this fence with his vehicle, he got out, went up to the back door, smashed through it, and went inside to save the family's large white dog. Orchard was charged with second-degree burglary and third-degree criminal mischief in Pudding County Jail on $15,000 bail. Uh, neighbors didn't want to go on camera because they're scared of retribution in the tightly packed development. Several neighbors listed things Orchard has allegedly destroyed in the past. We asked Trooper CPL why there were no drug charges if Orchard was allegedly high. He drove over the yards and through the fence. At no point was he on the roadway and no legal substances were found in his possession, said CPL. Troopers say Orchard was very cooperative. The developers say they've already ordered the victims a new door. The dog was unharmed. <laughs> I, I oh, my God. You know, I would feel really bad for the guy if he did that here. I don't think Ruger would be, would be quite so accepting of the help. Oh, and, and j just a note for everyone. If you're going to be mixing your LSD with your cough syrup, <laughs> gloves and mask, that's all I'm saying. Eye protection. Can you imagine that 911 call? I mean, seriously, can you imagine? Um, my neighbor just broke in the house and took my dog outside. I think, that I think that obnoxious hilarious. bitch from Houston would have been like, I ain't got no time for this. Oh, God. Yeah, there's, there's a 911 operator. Actually, um, in this story, there's video, which let me see if I can get, get to Very, because I'm sure Very wants to hear this video. Um, and I'm sure he wants to play it for us. Am I right? I can do, yeah. can do, yeah. The 911 operator, Jan, just yeah, in yeah. my personal opinion, should be charged with accessory to every single crime that <laughs> she wouldn't listen to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, she's lovely. She, this 911 operator in Houston says, ain't nobody got time for this, and she hangs up on callers. I'll read the story after you hear her. Okay, I'll tell me when you want it played. Now. Okay. Talk about having a hang-up about work. A former 911 dispatcher, Krishanda Williams, is facing a criminal charge after confessing that she purposely hung up on emergency callers because she, quote, did not want to talk to anyone at that time. Houston Emergency Center officials became alarmed when they noticed that Williams had an abnormally large number of short calls, lasting 20 seconds or less, all attributed to her. And they could see that the calls were all being ended by the operator, not the caller. I saw what you did. So HPD launched an investigation. In one case, a shooting victim at a convenience store died from his wounds. Police say Williams hung up on a witness when every second counted. 
Here's a reenactment of what happened when he called back. Houston 911, do you need medical police or fire? This is a robbery. Sadly, authorities were too late by the time they arrived on the scene. In another call, a security officer tried to report a pair of dangerous vehicles racing down the freeway. Houston 911, do you need medical police or fire? This is Officer Moden. I'm driving on 45 South right now, and right now I'm at... Ain't nobody got time for this for real. Williams no longer works for the emergency call center, but the whole thing makes you wonder why she ever got the job in the first place. Maybe some answers are coming, since Williams is due in court next week, unless any other hang-ups get in her way. Yeah. Yeah, her, her bond was only set at $1,000, and she only, she only killed one person. I mean, how... How did you get out on a thousand dollars bond for that? See, and because when she went and applied for that job and she interviewed for that job and she accepted that job offer, that bitch knew that she was signing up to be part of emergency services. Mm -hmm. And when you're having a bad fucking day, it's just too bad because you <laughs> signed up for emergency services. These people are held to a higher standard. They are. I mean, everybody's got to admit that. Firemen, police, doctors, nurses, they're, they're all held, ugh, head. Um, they're all <laughs> held to a higher standard than anybody else because they're responsible for people's lives. Yep, and, yep. and this bitch ain't got time for that. I have a silver lining. At okay. least she wasn't working for the Samaritans. Because then it'll probably never come to light, since it t it's the suicide line anyway. Oh God, Jesus! Just saying, but yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous. I don't understand how they had to do an investigation. Uh, you know, I don't how how I don't get it. How yeah, the investigation should have lasted maybe two minutes, as the but person sits months, there listening. Just notice for fuck's sake. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. That is a problem. Um, food? The Canada store? Yeah, because that's just like all kinds of fucking twisted. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, can you number the last two stories I did? Um, Chrisley, how do parents put up with ridiculous dietary rules our kids inflict our schools inflict on their kids. Their union reps would no doubt disagree, but some Durham Region public school teachers clearly have too much time on their hands. According to a local, local media report, some have taken it upon themselves to enforce their personal dietary beliefs and prejudices as if they were roles. Items seized from children and sent home for non-compliance reportedly include goldfish crackers, bear paw cookies, granola bars, string cheese, Jello, juice boxes, pudding cups, gummy fruit snacks, raisins, animal crackers, chocolate milk, and sun chips. Assuming teachers are in fact trying to enforce some coherent nutritional philosophy, it's tough to pick a most ridiculous reject. String cheese is cheese, since when is cheese bad? <sighs> um, or raisins for that matter. Still, nothing tops the tale of Elena Doust. Her son's school discourages home-baked goods, apparently 
for fear of peanuts, though parents are still allowed to make other things in their kitchen. So she sent her son to school with some store-bought banana bread, only to have it sent back because it contained chocolate chips. Anyone who thinks chocolate chips push your average banana bread over the line from reasonable dessert to unreasonable dessert has no business even opining on the subject, let alone snatching banana bread out of children's hands. Teachers don't know what their students eat at home, or indeed how much. What if that thing with chocolate chips in it came from the food bank? And honestly, even if you think you have some kind of mandate as an amateur nutritionist, what kind of Dickinsonian villain takes a kid's lunch away? Meanwhile, on the front lines of the allergy wars, fruit is under fire. CBC reports that one class of students at a Toronto elementary school has been asked to avoid Granny Smith and Red Delicious Apples on account of a student's allergy. This has not been universally well-received. I mean, there's countless allergies out there, and if every parent starts calling the school and starts asking the school to ban everything their child is allergic to, it's going to be impossible to pack a decent lunch, one parent complained. Indeed, but more to the point, there's almost certainly no point in doing this. Apple allergies are oral. You need to eat an apple to suffer a reaction. And the risk of anaphylaxis, even if you do, unlike with peanut and much more virulent allergies, is tiny. This precautionary principle is often abused, but it's indefensible if you're literally inventing the matter to be treated with caution. And it's counterproductive in ways that go far beyond frustrating children's lunches. These are schools. Kids learn things, and not just in class. Adults model behavior for kids at every moment. Kids observe them, and kids are notorious mimics. You can't teach the scientific method in the morning, or nutrition for that matter, then take away a kid's pudding at lunch because you think it's somehow inappropriate or icky, and expect the two not to conflict. Similarly, you can't pretend to teach critical thinking and then ban apples because Billy can't eat them, and expect to create a great generation of rational thinkers. If I had kids, I often think while reading these news items, I would be the bane of their school's existence, sending their lunches in non-compliant containers just to poke the bear, questioning the need for alarming lockdown drills that prepare children for a nearly non-existent threat, demanding evidence to support the no-doubt myriad dietary bans, refusing to buy separate indoor and outdoor running shoes, and daring Principal Budinsky to come after me. And then I realized, no, I probably wouldn't, because if I had kids, I wouldn't have the time. The children would presumably have a mother who might see things rather differently, and maybe I would choose not to die on that hill. My children, furthermore, might not appreciate me making a pest of myself with the adults in charge of them at school, and so long as they were willing to have me indoctrinate them at home, I might desist for their benefit. I asked a colleague recently how he and other parents know how, who know how ridiculous these rules are put up with them. They have our kids, he replied. That's an entirely understandable answer, but if any parents out there are brave enough to push back against the officious, nonsensical dullardry that governs our public schools, I will do my best to make my hero heroes of them in these pages. I mean, that's just apples. Oh, but I mean, here's the funny thing about Canada, too. Um, I have a friend who recently moved from Nova Scotia, which is English speaking, to Quebec, which is French speaking. And um, her son has always been in an English speaking school. Right. She had to go through 
an insane amount of stupid shit to get her son taught in English. She had to prove that he'd only been in English school. And on top of that, <laughs> she had to prove that she was taught in an English school. When when the kid walks in and the kid doesn't know any French and he only knows English, wouldn't that automatically trick you into the fact that he needed to be taught in English? It's well, well. it's insane. It's it's just absolutely insane. And here's here's another thing because you know I'm all about the foodie here. <laughs> I didn't go to school with anyone that I knew had a food allergy. Not a single one. There may have been kids that had food allergies. I never knew about it. I didn't know. But from the time Bernie was in first grade, he could come home and tell me who was allergic to what and why they weren't allowed to have it. Um, there was one girl in his grade, in the entire grade, that that had an allergy. And because of this one girl, the entire grade was not allowed to have... Um, holiday parties do you know what i mean where everybody brings yeah, in yeah. a snack or everybody you know and on birthdays and whatever no 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 no. the entire grade wasn't allowed because you know she couldn't have them lovely yeah i mean we're, we're all dead because you know we we, we survived uh, well we we can't have survived by modern <laughs> standards you know none, none of us our generation made it through school years because yeah everything killed us yeah well i mean honestly if it was my child that that had the allergy um mm -hmm. instead of sending them to school with 60 kids that are all going to inadvertently blame them for not having to get a party I would make it out to my kid that lucky them they got to skip school that day and what were we going to do? Oh, yeah. Um, there was one guy in my school with a peanut allergy. Mm -hmm. Never came up. People brought in what they like to eat. Snickers bars, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, you just didn't do it next to the guy. It wasn't I mean, a problem. There's, a, problem. there's a lot of things that I blame food allergies on, and it, it, at the top of that list is Monsanto because I just think they're evil, fucking, despicable incarnations of the devil walking the face of the planet. But and all the other additives that that we put in our food, I think a lot of that is to blame um, for where we're at and why so many people have food allergies or sensitivities or whatever well the, there was a report last week about um relating to this about the overuse of antibacterial stuff so yeah mm -hmm. it's they know it's true i mean well, we in europe we now have a certain subset of doctors who are actively saying in public let your kids get dirty you want them mixing with other kids who are ill so that they get ill, so they pick up the antibodies, you know. Mm -hmm. You know, you, certain we, doctors now realize that no, 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 you can't, you can't the, the stop everything. The world is not a sterile environment. Um, you have to build up immunity somewhere. The world is like a mud puddle, right? And I don't understand when it became a bad thing to play in the mud puddle. Like, 
Don't give me. I have a dog. He drools everywhere. My floor is disgusting. And I get to the point every day where I can't take it and I, I scrub it. Um, and I get it as clean as I can. Because um, I have old people and I have a big drooly hound hunting dog. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not obsessing over the little things. You know, the floor bothers me because it's a light colored tile and I can see it. But, you know, indoor shoes and outdoor shoes, I do that at flu time because I have elderly people, um, living here who have, you know, they're, they have vulnerable immune systems, but otherwise I wouldn't, I'd tromp around like I always do inside shoes, outside shoes, work shoes, home shoes, whatever. Um, because uh, yeah, you have to, you have to well, I mean, stick your hands in the dirt and play. It's, it's unsurprising, but yeah, certain sections of public health and the public themselves, yeah, they, they don't know the basics, right? Humans are a colony organism. We're not, mm -hmm one thing we are collect we have loads of viruses in us already that's why when the, Sp the spanish went to south america mm -hmm. most of the population died because the population in south america had different viruses mm -hmm. and weren't ready for the european viruses it's well known yep. and you know we we are a, a living organism that is made up of living organisms. We are not, you know, it's there's no cell that is human as such. Mm -hmm. There's human DNA in cells, but not all cells in a human are human. Human. Yeah. I mean, we have, we're... C. Yeah. difficile, all the stuff we were talking about last week with the infections. Yeah. They all mm -hmm. exist in every human being. It's yeah. when they go wrong... <laughs> Yeah, that that's issues. when you get sick. Because, um, what was it, MRSA, the big mm -hmm. infectious yeah. one, it lives in your nose. Mm -hmm. It's when it gets into cuts that um, cuts or into your body that isn't your nose. That's when the issues start. Yep. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that you're exposed to on a daily basis that you should be. I mean, common sense stuff like wash your fruit and vegetables when you bring them home from the grocery store, absolutely. But I gotta say, I read a medical paper to go to circle back to what Jeannie said a couple of years ago. And I mean, it was a whopper. It was a few hundred pages. And I remember handing it out to doctors and stuff um, because my husband has, you know, gluten intolerance. We don't really think it's that. We don't think it's the gluten. Cause... Well, it's being way over um, diagnosed. Yeah, because Jan, I bet I would almost. I think I it's think the it's round roundup. Bet if you if you got some whole wheat and you ground your own wheat flour and made bread, mm -hmm. it wouldn't bother him. If I eat pizza from a you know a chain restaurant, mm -hmm. my guts hurt so bad. I mean, I swell right up. Well, if well, I make homemade bread here. Or if I make homemade pizza dough, I don't have that problem. Well, I mean, the whole thing, that's, that's wheat belly. You, you might want to look up the symptoms of wheat belly because, you know, wheat belly is kind of different 
than gluten. But um, with the gluten thing, what they're finding now is, you know, how everything's Roundup ready and, and Roundup makes seeds, which I don't get. Why is a pesticide company? Why is the company that made Agent Orange patenting seeds? But anyway, um, what they do with Roundup now is they sell it to farmers as what's called a drying agent, right? So two or three days before they're going to run the machine through the crops to, you know, thresh them, basically, <laughs> they spray it with Roundup to make everything separate easier. So they're using that on everything to dry the plants and pre-kill them. I mean, they're spraying it all over everything willy-nilly like, and saying, oh, there's no reaction. My favorite thing was, was it on TV in the UK, Very, where one of your interviewers was sitting down with a guy from Monsanto and he was saying there was absolutely no danger from Roundup. And he was showing the films of the people applying Roundup and they had all this gear on. And yeah. he poured him a cup of something and went, that's Roundup. Drink it. If there's no problem and it won't hurt a human being, then drink it. Drink it now. And the guy ran off. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Here's the scarier thing, though, is the, mm -hmm. the glyphosate that's in the Roundup mm -hmm. has got a, a shelf life that is insane. Meaning that anything treated with this, mm -hmm. um, it goes into the ground, and what's planted in it next picks it up, and it, it's going into the food, it's going into the groundwater supply, it's going into the public water supply, and mm -hmm. people just are not paying attention. Well, you know, I wish I could say it's just that. Do you... Do you know if they test your DNA, do you know what they find in your body now? In your cells? In every cell? They find two things. Agent Orange and Roundup. Did you know that? Um, Agent depending Orange, on where you live, there's other things too. Yeah. Right, but I'm saying that's, that's typical in every human being on the planet. People who've never been anywhere near Agent and Orange yet, and have yet, that. And yet, in their in great uh, wisdom, loads of places mm -hmm. are now banning nicotinoid weed killer, you know, insecticides. Even though we, we did a story on it, I think, not uh -huh. that long ago, that, yep. yeah, ain't killing as many bees as a lot of these crazy green protesters claim. Um, Don't in get fact, me wrong, there's... Bee, some, you know, bees are very tolerant to nicotine, um, mm, as it happens. They like it. Yeah. They like it. Yeah, was it? There's four after. nicotinoid ones, three mm -hmm. of them. Funnily enough, the newer ones that have been fiddled with are yeah. bad, but they're yeah, originally Monsanto, original. Monsanto tried to deflect the entire colony collapse disorder on the nicotinoids, and it it's just bullshit. blew up bullshit. in their faces. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's yeah. bullshit. Um, a lot of it is directly linked to the, the glyphosate. And and the sad thing is, is it's poisoning everybody's water. And yes. they're like, oh, but there's no long-term data. Wait a fucking minute. If this was an e-cigarette, you would be standing here screaming at the top of your damn lungs <laughs> about, well, we need to ban it because we just don't know. Why the fuck is it different for Monsanto? Well, it, why it's different for Monsanto? Because... 
Have you ever seen, did I ever show you guys the Venn diagrams that show the overlap between government agencies that regulate companies, their boards of directors, and the people that work for the government? I am well familiar with regulatory culture. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah, well, well, but I'm just saying, it is regulatory capture. It's somebody goes to work for the FDA, then they go back to work for Monsanto, and then back and forth. Like the asshole who said, oh, yeah, we need to have light touch regulation in the United States for e-cigarettes. That jackass worked for a big drug company. And when he's done doing his damage at the FDA, he'll go right back to the big drug company. And I'm sure that big drug company will be releasing drugs that can be inhaled by something like an e-cigarette. Because they're finding that that's a really good way to deliver medicine to people. Go ahead. Pfizer. <clears throat> <laughs> Pfizer. <clears throat> yeah. I didn't want to name any names because, you know, they couldn't really take any. I guess they could take my website from me. <laughs> right? My whole, like, $20 website. They could take that away. Um, and that would be about it. But um, I got nothing they could take. So, yeah. Well, no, they can't take anything because it's true. I know. <laughs> I they tend to not even bother with that sort of court case because it's just not worth their while um, so no. yeah you're fine can't really <laughs> call it libel when it's true <laughs> no that that is the thing that you need for libel is mm. yeah and w w when it's on public record that he did used to work for them mm -hmm. they can't and really that argue he... that one well but he didn't just he worked for them then he worked for the American Lung Association mm-hmm then he worked for, who else was it? The American Lung Association, them. And I'm not talking about Caldiff. He's worse. He's like yeah. a worse monster than that. But he worked for them. He worked for the ALA. He worked for Campaign for Tobacco for Kids. He went back and worked for Pfizer. Then he works for the FDA again. So, you know, if you don't think there's an uncomfortable coziness going on between the people that are screaming for your regulations in your government agencies and these businesses you're completely naive because it's right there you just follow the money and any government regulator in any western country is exactly the same it doesn't matter which industry it is they're supposed to be regulating this happens <laughs> banking i mean you know banking oh Fuck. yeah it's, it's another one that's <laughs> open revolving door policy at both ends yeah yeah and it's pretty terrible and i think most people aren't aware of it and like i can remember do you remember the bailouts genie you mean you mean the fucking disasters that didn't the, fix the, any fucking thing the fucking disasters that we all screamed at our congressmen about that we were all up in their faces about don't you dare bail these fucking companies out you let them fail you let the market work yeah they always have those uncomfortably cozy relationships with the lobbyists who used to work on capitol hill that go and work for the banks and then back and forth and that's just kind of the way it goes there is a government private partnership all right but it has nothing to do with the private partnerships given the government money has to do with the government giving money to big business. Good night, yeah. Jeannie.
Thank you. Have a good night. Uh, I'm not saying good night to the show. I'm saying good night to Jeannie because Jeannie's got to go. She stayed. She stayed way longer than she normally does. So yeah, that was good. But yeah, um, I mean the the. I mean, if if people don't know about it, just look up regulatory capture. There's a nice Wikipedia page with loads of stuff on it. <laughs> to be polite, a metric shit ton would be another way of putting it. Yeah. It goes through in each country <laughs> and you know, all the different regulators that have this problem. And yeah. it looks like all of them. So, yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and this is from 2011. I said I would, I would, I think people had seen this before, but. This is from TechDirt from 2011. These are just Venn diagrams from 2011. Goldman Sachs and the federal government, federal and state government and GE, federal government and Comcast, federal government and Big Oil, federal government and media, federal government and Monsanto, federal government and pharmaceuticals. So um, this is just in 2011, and that's for people in the United States. So. If you happen to find that interesting, it's a handy dandy little diagram, just in case you were wondering why the government is the way it is. Um, and why would you want matters so little? Okay. I think Scotland uh, Yard, North Dakota. Um, okay. I said I would talk about stingrays. Do you want the music? You know I want the music. <laughs> Stand by for action. We are about to launch Stingray. Anything can happen in the next half hour. This is called the surveillance state goes local area police departments may be using stingray technology to spy on you without a warrant and the feds don't want you to know that's a shocker the department of justice is blocking requests for information on stingray which can spy on you by connecting with your cell phone for the past several years we've been learning more and more about police use of cell site simulators across the country and it's a disturbing trend these devices, regularly referred to by the brand name Stingray, are about the size of a briefcase and mimic cell phone towers, so phones nearby will try to access them. Once a signal reaches the Stingray, the machine can gather information about the phone. That means a strategically placed Stingray can access hundreds of phones in an area and figure out who the phones belong to and where they are, all without a warrant. Because of secrecy agreements signed by police departments nationwide and the government's general lack of transparency when it comes to surveillance, it's been difficult for Americans to learn who's using these devices, how they're using them, and why. Organizations like the ACLU have filed numerous lawsuits to learn more about stingrays and have gradually gained quite a bit of knowledge, but roadblocks are constantly being put in the way. For example, the ACLU recently filed a lawsuit against 
the Delaware State Police after they refused to give up information on their use of stingrays in response to a Freedom of Information Act request. Furthermore, the Department of Justice stepped in and backed up the decision made by Delaware Police. Quote, Although the United States is not party to this case, it has a direct interest in the protection of the information withheld, DOJ's attorneys wrote. Cell site simulator technology is a key tool in the Federal Bureau of Investigations, investigation, interdiction, and suppression of criminal and terrorist activity. Disclosure being or even minor details about this technology will jeopardize, if not vitalate, the ability of the FBI and the larger law enforcement community to successfully deploy this valuable technology. Nathan Freed Wessler, a staff attorney for the ACLU, told Salon that the Department of Justice frequently makes this argument. This seems to be secrecy in the interest of impunity, Wessler told Salon. To us, their arguments for secrecy fall apart pretty quickly as a matter of logic. We're left with just a reflexive drive towards hiding information about surveillance from the public. Wessler said the Justice Department has used many different kinds of arguments to avoid revealing how these devices are used. From citing the Arms Export Control Act to the Federal Homeland Security Act, they're constantly arguing they need to be secretive to protect national security interests. However, these devices aren't strictly used or even mostly used for terrorism investigations. The truth is, this technology used on a daily basis by state and local law enforcement around the country investigating normal criminal activity, not terrorism investigations, Wessler said. Stingrays may be used to investigate anything from drug trafficking to robberies, so claiming we can't know basic information about how and why they're used appears to be a flimsy argument. We're not asking them to divulge the names of suspects in ongoing investigations or to reveal the technical drawings of the propriety proprietary technology inside the device, Wessler said. We're looking for the kinds of information necessary for public and legislative oversight. As we've explained before, there are many reasons maintaining the privacy of Americans is extremely important. Not only is it imperative that journalists and activists and lawyers be able to operate free of government monitoring, Stingray monitoring itself is not a focused technology, meaning we're all at risk. Wessler said when law enforcement uses Stingray to try and locate a particular suspect, the Stingray is also sweeping up data from potentially hundreds of totally innocent bystanders' phones. That information can both identify those phones and locate them, and knowing where someone's phone is can reveal a host of private information about them, whether it's if they're at a doctor's office or a political rally, whether they go to an NRA meeting or an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. We should require police to inform judges and get warrants and abide by restrictions before they can gather that information. In addition to being able to identify phones and locate them, we also know that some versions of these devices can access content, possibly allowing police to record phone calls or read texts. The ACLU and other organizations investigating the use of these devices have not found police departments accessing content in this way yet, but the very fact that it's possible raises further concerns. Some courts have ruled there are serious constitutional questions when it comes to the use of stingrays and have demanded that warrants be obtained before they are used. A court of special appeals in Maryland ruled in March that warrants should be required to use this kind of surveillance gear, and the topic was depicted as a serious Fourth Amendment concern. In July, for the first time ever, a New York judge tossed out evidence obtained after the use of a stingray because no warrant had been obtained. The Department of Justice refused to comment when contacted by Salon about stingray use. 
Delaware's Justice Department asserted that the ACLU can take its case against the Delaware police to higher courts if it disagrees with the latest decisions. It seems Orwellian that police from some of the smaller law enforcement agencies can simply go to a spot in town and secretly acquire private personal information from unsuspecting citizens, but it's happening on a daily basis and police departments here appear eager to keep specifics about it concealed. When someone can be spied on, for simply sitting at the wrong place at the wrong time, any hope for living a private life is gone. Um, on on top of all this, the other thing that worries me, um, mm -hmm. when you have the FBI and police refusing to have evidence submitted because, uh, you know, protecting the, you know, it's state secrets, all that kind of thing. Now. From what I understand, what used to be able to happen in these court mm -hmm. cases is the judge could look at the evidence themselves, the judge in the case. Mm -hmm. It didn't have to be read out in court, didn't have to be... But the judge could look at it and basically decide whether it went ahead or not. Right. Now they're not allowed to do that even. So basically the Department of Justice doesn't trust judges. Yep. That... That is the, the big elephant in the room. Um, and oh. this is why judges have started ruling against them a lot. Because mm -hmm. judges really don't like that idea, since they're <laughs> the ones who are supposed to be the law in charge of the law. Mm -hmm. But you have a government department who's basically saying, oh, no, even judges. No, judges, we can't <laughs> trust them either. In well, some cases, possibly justified, but we won't go yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, the, I I agree with you. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be the gap, right? Yeah. There's all these branches of government, and supposedly they were separated to give you a fair shot at life. And now they're just kind of ganging up on each other and shutting each other out. It's ridiculous. But to me, the worst part is. I don't know whether, I don't think stingrays have come so far that there's more proprietary stuff that we don't know about them already. I mean, the intercepts like a bunch of documents um, on their capabilities, schematics. Uh, I've seen a ton of that stuff, so I know how they're built and what they're capable of doing, right? But I'm bothered because they signed these confidentiality agreements. And they're upholding them, even though everybody knows pretty much everything there is to know about stingrays. And if you don't know, I can tell you exactly where you can find it all. <laughs> so what the fuck are they hiding? Well, I mean, it's, yeah, at this point, it's just... They're really high-tech stuff. They don't give to police departments. The, the next generation stuff, the stuff way beyond stingrays. I mean, we know they've got them from mm -hmm. the work of a certain Mr. Snowden at mm -hmm. GCHQ. When the FBI and CIA wanted particular information from somewhere, mm -hmm. they went to GCHQ and GCHQ provided it. Mm -hmm. Now, the information they provided must have, in part, been really high-tech versions of these devices Probably. that was used. You would assume. 
So yeah, the 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 fact that they're so worried about the old stuff, you have to wonder, holy shit, how much of the new stuff's being used as well? Yeah. That they're protecting the old older technology so heavily. Because, yeah, yeah these, mean, the basic stingrays have been around a long time. Yeah, exactly. Your basic dirt box, your basic stingray has been around pretty much forever. That's as long as mobile so phones have, it. basically. Yeah. That's be, that is how we know so much about it. I mean, yeah. and honestly, Android is created to, to like, reach out and handshake every Wi-Fi hotspot. To yes. keep your phone costs down because they're built for people that don't have they don't have a ton of money, basically. Android is like the bottom ninety five percent of phone owners. So it's like a class thing almost. I mean not really, but it's kinda like a class thing. And the fact that they built something to sort of piggyback on that technology it's kind of worrying i mean it, it kind of makes you wonder what they think of you I mean, it makes it's, me wonder what they think of it, us unfortunately it's all mobile phones just base the basic way that the mobile cell tower system works mm -hmm. is what makes stingrays possible um <sighs> if if all masts were encrypted you enough this problem. There's no way now that that's going to happen. Well, yeah. I mean, the if only it happened from gonna... day one, there'd have been nothing the governments could have done about it. But uh. yeah, the encryption standards are pretty low on cell phones uh, for yeah, well, the signal. Yeah, but there's yeah, but there's a reason for that. There's a reason for everything. Yeah. There's a. I think possibly the worst thing I've ever seen. And I keep talking about it, and I know I bring it up every once in a while, but um, there's talks from the the Chaos Computer Club. They have them every year. You you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I think the thing that disturbs me the most, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because I think people haven't really watched it yet, is there's a talk uh, given by Jacob Applebaum. Um no matter what you think of his personal life, I don't give a shit. It has nothing to do with his ability as an educator. And he's a very good educator, by the way. Um, and it's called To Protect and Infect. There's part one and part two. What's more disturbing is part two, where they show the surveillance catalog that the government has, right? And it shows how they intercept our packages when we're ordering, say, a computer part. And they put their own back doors into the computers. And it goes through just all these different kinds of technology. And it's scary as fuck. That is scary as fuck. If you think what you're doing online is private, I'm here to tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> if anyone wants to find out what you're doing, they can't. But I get the feeling... They surveil us all so that they can keep tabs on, like, say, 10% of the people. But when we were unaware of that, it wasn't the existential threat 
of living in a panopticon was not a real thing. And now you know you live in one and it, it changes everything about how you feel about your government and how you feel about your society and how you feel about the world in which you live. And you can't come back from that. I don't think. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I do know one guy. Right, I know this one guy. <laughs> it's one of those okay. stories, but this one, God's honest, it's true. Right. The, I know one guy who definitely has a secure, secure computer. I know he's got a secure computer because when I say he built his computer, I mean he built his computer. Um, that's what he does for a living. He's He actually, the last I heard, he was working for the Ministry of Defence, still, and had been for like 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he does, he built builds and designs circuit boards. So yeah, he built his own computer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and that's that's one of the things that actually gets talked about a lot at the Chaos Computer. Yeah, lots oh. of them build their own too. Yeah, they build their own too. But like they say, you know, a lot of this stuff requires off-the-shelf parts. You don't really know unless you own the factory and own to use a Marxist term, the means of production, you are never going to be 100% secure. Yeah, yeah. Gary, I know, has prototyping in his... Uh, 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 he basically has his own underground lab and builds okay. components, even. Certain components. Wow. This is a man who happily makes... can happily make $20,000 an hour well, yeah. doing what he does. Well, here's, imagine... Here's an aside for you. For years, he worked on missile guidance systems. Mm -hmm. Then he started working on aircraft evasion systems for missiles. So we're like, right, get this straight. You designed guidance systems to shoot planes down. Now you're designing planes that can avoid getting shot down by missiles. Right, which, I mean, it kind of makes sense. It's it's like why you want... That's why you want hackers doing your security. You know what I mean? Because they understand it in and out. Obviously, he couldn't go into details of what he did, because otherwise he'd disappear. Um, But yeah, (laughs) that's the interesting sort of people that go to Chaos Club meetings and talks. You you know, I've I've never... I would love to go to one. I, I think... What's really funny, um, from I've seen Laura Poitras, like, um, and you might know who she is if you saw, you know, Citizen Four. Yeah. Um, they've done a documentary about Laura Poitras and and where she lives in Germany, and there's this whole huge group of people that know so much about the government surveillance in this country that they've expatriated and they all live in this one spot in Berlin. Yeah. And if a, if a flea farts and not building the whole building panics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are very paranoid people. Um, but that ironically, that one spot in Berlin is the one place they feel safe because they know the German people know what it was like to be under this kind of surveillance they have long memories of what happened during Hitler's time. And we don't have that here in my country. Um, and we're not, 
we're not bothered by some of the stuff that happens. Well, I mean, sections of your general community have an idea. You know, Japanese, Koreans. <laughs> they, they got a taste of it in World War II, the Korean War. Yeah. Well, yeah. Japanese internment camps, 1932. Yeah, we, um, we have oh, an and idea. of course, the native Indian population. Yeah. Well, yeah. Here, right, you're going to go live here now. Oh, crap, there's minerals there. Well, we'll just kill you. Um, so, yeah. it. Uh, you have this picture in your head of your country and what it does, and you find out it's not quite what you thought as you get older. Well, and... at, at least I live in the UK, and they freely admit that, yeah, we're dicks. <laughs> <laughs> We were really well, big dicks in the past, but we're slightly kinda, less dickish now. <laughs> they, the stuff that your your weapons designers keep on file scares the shit out of me. Well, yeah, that, that's the whole idea. They're, they're, it's, it's we don't we don't need me. the we, our <laughs> government keep going on about the nuclear deterrent. They've just said they're going to renew it billions of pounds. They don't, don't need it. Everybody is shit scared of us anyway. <laughs> I mean, all you have to do is look at what your your theoretical scientists have come up with, and that should oh, yeah. scare the fuck out of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Lots of this stuff is marked as theoretical. And you're like, yeah, I know. you didn't build yeah. one? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of the way it is. My favorite is still the, was it the photochromatic strobe laser? completely against the law even the chinese would probably not want to use this right um it's a laser that changes color incredibly rapidly and flashes it's a battlefield weapon you give your troops protective glasses you set it off and you've just blinded all enemy troops oh <laughs> and any civilians that happen to be anywhere nearby <laughs> that, that's one of their theoretical weapons. <laughs> of course, it's against the Geneva Convention to mutilate enemy armies. So, yeah. Yeah, well, there's a <clears> lot <throat> of things. There's a lot of things against the Geneva Convention. For instance, the U.S. government selling of white phosphorus to our enemies. And yet, you know, I love how we're finding these canisters in Syria that have been set off of white phosphorus. And they are linked back to our government. I God knows what my government's been selling all over the place for the last thirty years. You know, my government's really good at hiding it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well. Although they have got a track record of being really stupid about it. <laughs> like, why? Why do the Russians have such an advanced arms arsenal? Well, partly mm -hmm. it's due to the British. End of World War Two, we happily sold them shitloads of stuff we had, and they've developed stuff off that: jet engines, some submarine and ship technology, aircraft technology. We give them a nice, the you know, boost, and we did the same with loads of other countries, yours included. <laughs> the the Russians, yeah, but then we went backwards and made fucking blimps for surveillance, like no one was going to see them. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not going to cause any problems, and no one's going to notice them. 
why are these giant blimps floating in the air in Maryland? Well, you know, you're right near the Beltway. So some jackass sold this idea as a great surveillance technology. They just need to borrow the London wheel and kid on its... No, 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 no. It's it's just a balloon over a fairground. Look, there's the big Ferris wheel. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I don't know. Have you got anything else today, Harry? That you I don't think so. No. Uh, okay. Um, that's actually very good news about uh, Amy Goodman. Yeah. And I see all these fancy pictures of Alex driving the driving the big right to uh, vape tour bus around. And uh, he's on his super cool tour. Yeah, they haven't crashed or been arrested yet. So, brilliant. So they, they did have to <laughs> fix something. Yeah. So... That's about, uh, that's, and he was working the other night, sending out uh, local alerts and stuff. I'm like, God, when do you sleep, man? <laughs> so, yeah. Well, he's, and, a, he's in an RV pretty much any time they fancy. <laughs> Pull he's over. He's driving. Sleep. He's driving. He better not be sleeping any time he feels like it. <laughs> hey, hey, maybe it's got like the Google Drive stuff built in. Oh, good Lord. I don't. <laughs> no, they would have had to crash by now if it had. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't think that's a great idea. Um, oh, so what's going on with the Tesla again? Did they move back its release date another time? Yeah, yeah. Who'd have thought that, yeah, they keep trying to jump ahead technology wise and it doesn't work out? Hmm. <sighs> Yeah, it's it's funny how that happens. Just funny as hell. Well, it's it's uh, they've got a big mouth ecomaniac in charge who keeps making promises that the scientists go, uh, hang on a minute, we haven't invented <laughs> that yet. Can you slow down a minute? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just some funny, funny stuff. Um, yeah, I guess that's probably it for this evening. I've probably made everybody's day. Um, you yeah. did cheer them up with a dog story, at least. Hopefully. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, anybody who loves animals and loves LSD was charmed by that story, I am absolutely sure. Oh, anyone who doesn't find that mildly humorous has got something <laughs> wrong with them. Well, I, I really, I look, so much of the stuff that we talk about is so dark. You know, yeah. and especially I'll go off on a tangent or you will or Jeannie will. And it, it, it ends up in a pretty dark place. Um, we do need some lightening up and some humor. I, I have hey, no hey, idea hey, how you I, get I, that. I, I object. This is me being light and friendly. <laughs> you, you know what it's like when I go to dark places, as you I, mentioned some of it on the show. <laughs> I do, yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe we could have a musical interlude between the particularly disturbing stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. But, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, uh, the show notes will be available later on tonight for all the stories we talked about at my website. You know, www.antinanny.com if you want to see any of that stuff. Um, 
It's very cool. It looks like a reporter's notebook over there. I'm very proud of how the website turned out. Um, and I guess that's about it for this evening. Um, thanks for coming to listen, guys. I know it's not always fun, um, but it is always true. So have a good evening, and we will see you next week. Ooh, ooh, song and advert. Song and advert. Why do we always come here? I guess we'll never know. It's like a kind of torture to have to watch the show. Why spend hours searching for in-stock ammunition when you can use AmmoSeek.com? AmmoSeek.com is a search engine for finding ammunition, reloading components, magazines, and guns for more than 300 calibers at more than 60 online retailers. AmmoSeek.com only shows items that are in stock and readily available for shipping. You can search by caliber, grains, manufacturer, and more. The results are displayed by cost per round, so you are able to get the very best pricing on your ammunition of choice. Find ammunition at the best prices, fast. Um, yeah, um, I'm sorry for some of the downers this week, guys. I think next week will probably be a lot less structured because, God, we could all use a break. Um, we will see you next week. Have a good night.